Folks, this morning I want to tell you a story about somebody that I bet you are familiar with. Uh, they, this person goes by a lot of different names, but you probably know them best by so-and-so. Y'all know so-and-so, don't you? Uh, how about this? Um, I, if anybody deserves to go to heaven, so-and-so deserves to go to heaven. You ever heard something like that? How about this one? I don't know what so-and-so did, but they must have been bad. Or um, If God is so good, why would he allow that to happen to so-and-so? Now, all these stories that we, that we tell about so-and-so are actually stories that are rooted in a belief that is actually one of those myths that we've been talking about here at Prairie Bible for the last several weeks. And this particular myth is a myth that if you believe it, it will make you miserable to the very core of your being. So the question is, what is the myth that is related to these sayings about, uh, about our friend so-and-so? The myth is this. Bad things are not supposed to happen to good people. Now I understand if you believe that, if you want to believe that, I understand why you want to believe that. But the fact of the matter is what reality comes crashing in on us and we soon realize if we're smart that it is a myth. Because bad things happen to good people all the time. And what I'm going to do today, I'm going to explain to you why bad things happen to good people all the time. Um, but more importantly than the why, I'm going to offer you some hope in the midst of the why. You know, this idea, this myth, or this belief that, that um, um, bad things don't happen to good people, it's been around for a very, very long time. Uh, if you look in the Old Testament, uh, scholars believe that one of the, the, probably the oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. And you know the story of Job, right? The story of Job is that, now by most measures, uh, Job's a pretty good guy. I think we can, we can all agree on that. But there was a time in Job's life, right, when he went through a whole spate of catastrophic trouble, bad things, right? And he had some so-called friends come up alongside of him in, a, in an attempt to encourage him a little bit. And eventually, if you know the story of Job, their encouragement kind of, kind of burrowed in on this question. They looked at him and they said, dude, what did you do to deserve all this, right? Translated, bad things don't happen to good people. So what have you been up to, right? And there's another story in the New Testament. You're probably familiar with this one as well. Story in the New Testament. This is a story about uh, the man that was born blind, right? That, remember that story? The disciples one day walk up to Jesus and they say to Jesus, you know this guy over here, the blind guy? He says, we, were, we had a question. Who sinned? His parents or him that caused him to be born blind? Translation, bad things don't happen to good people. So... We need to point the finger at somebody here, right? Now, uh, as I kind of alluded to earlier, I, I understand why people are drawn to the myth or the belief that bad things don't happen to good people. In fact, in some respects, that belief is rooted in truth because we all know that if we were to choose to live our lives according to biblical principles, if we choose to live our lives um, the way God would have us live our lives, the truth is 
we will avoid a lot of the bad stuff that other people will encounter when they choose not to live according to the principles of God, right? But it's not a universal truth. It's not, if you do this, then this will happen. Because as I said to you earlier, we all know people, maybe you're one of them, that have went through bad things for no apparent reason. The question is why? I can tell you why. In the book of Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it, it gives us the answer. And it says this. It says that all. You know that verse? That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now that verse really tells us two things. That tells us, number one, that really none of us are good. So anybody that claims that you know, bad things don't happen to good people. Well, none of us are good, according to the standard that God has set, right? But it also says something else. It says that we don't live in a vacuum. We live in a world where someone else's bad choice spills over onto us all the time. Happens all the time, doesn't it? Some, some guy jumps in his car after having a great night at the bar, kills somebody on the way home. Pollutants are being spewed up into the air by some company and someone hundreds and hundreds of miles away gets cancer. Bad stuff happens all the time because of the sin of somebody else that spills out on you and me. Now, that doesn't sound very fair, does it? And that's been the problem that people have with this whole thing for thousands of years. We believe that God is a just God, and God is a just God, by the way. So, if God is a just God, and if God is all-powerful, because we believe that He is just, and we believe that He is all-powerful as well, why does God allow all this to happen? Why does God allow this bad stuff to happen to people who, even though we know we're not all good, there's things that, I mean, if we're, not, if we're desiring to live according to the principles of God, we should be able to avoid the bad stuff. So why doesn't God just stop it from happening if he's all powerful and he's all good? Like, there's an answer to that too. It's something called, listen up, you've probably heard of it before. It's something called free will. You see, God is all just and he is all powerful and God has the ability to keep bad things from happening. God can do it. But in so doing, it will cost something. You see, the greatest gift that God has given humanity, it's something called free will. And what is required for God to take away the bad stuff that spills out on you, that isn't even your fault, would require God to take away free will. You say, well, wait a second here. 
I'm all for that as long as it's taking Shane's free will away and not mine. Now, remember what Romans 3.23 said? Romans 3.23 said that all have sinned. And if, you're, if you've convinced yourself that somehow your sin hasn't spilled over onto somebody else, you might want to rethink that. Because if all have sinned, which means my sin has spilled out on you somehow, the answer for taking away the bad stuff that is to take away all of our free will. And you want to know what? As bad as things can get sometimes, I've never met one person, literally, I've never met one person that would say, I'm willing to be a robot or a puppet if it means I won't have to go through bad stuff. Not one person would say, I'd make that trade. Now, some of you are sitting back there saying, okay, I get it. Made your point, Craig. Does that mean we're just stuck? That this is the, the hand that has been dealt to us and bad stuff is going to happen to us and, and there's nothing I can do with this so I just need to learn to deal with it. Is that what this means? Nope. Because you see, God knew that when he gave you the greatest gift called free will, he knew that some of us, all of us, <laughs> were going to choose to use it sinfully. But it was worth, freedom was worth it. He thought it was worth it too. But he had an answer. And the answer is this. He provided us with another choice as well as a promise. And here's the choice. You can choose to keep hold of the bad stuff, the feelings, the anger, the bitterness that, is, they, that belongs to you because you've been bad stuff, had bad stuff happen to you that you didn't deserve. You can cling to that, hang on to that as long as you want and be angry about it and you'd be righteous in so doing. But you have a choice. You can also choose to give it to him. And here's the promise. He says, if you choose that choice, if you choose to give the, the bad things that have happened to you in your life, if you choose to give those things to God, he makes the promise that he will turn them into something beautiful. Where, where does it say that? I'll tell you. It actually says in several different places in the Bible, but I'm going to tell you one place in particular. The Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, he says this, kind of crazy dude. He goes, he says, I revel in the trials and the tribulations of life. I look forward to them. I glory in them. Why? Because God has promised that he's going to make something beautiful out of them. <laughs> he says, Part of, part of what God will do with the, with the bad stuff that happens in our lives if we choose to give it up to God, he says that oftentimes that those trials and tribulations will produce perseverance in you. And then perseverance will produce character. And then character will produce hope. And guess what? Hope never fails. If your hope is in Jesus. See, if you're trying to put your hope in a myth that says bad things aren't going to happen to me because I'm a good person, that will fail you. 
If you try to put your, your hope in any of these myths that we've talked about before, money will make you happy. They will fail you. Choose to place your hope in Jesus and hope will never fail. You get to choose. See, you're not powerless. See, oftentimes when bad stuff happens to us, especially when bad stuff happens to us that um, we didn't do anything to deserve, we feel powerless. You are not powerless. Stop feeling like a victim because you're not. You have the ability to choose. I can cling to this. I can give it away and believe in the promise that God will make something beautiful out of it. Now, here's what I suspect. My suspicion is that there are people here today who have had some bad or going through some bad things that you don't think you deserve. And you have felt powerless and fearful, maybe a little bit angry and bitter. You can keep feeling that way if you want. Or you can give it to Jesus. And, and it starts, all of that starts by giving yourself to Jesus, by giving your heart to Jesus. I mean, this isn't a, that doesn't happen just because you came to church today. That, that has to be a conscious decision. It's a choice, right? You have to make the choice. I offer myself to you, Jesus. I accept you into my heart as not only my Savior, but my Lord. And then when you offer yourself to Him, those promises and, that He has made, they belong to you because you belong to Him. Now, if you've never made that choice, maybe today's the day you should do that. If you need someone, I would be privileged to pray that prayer with you today if that's what you desire. In just a minute, I'm, the band's going to be playing. I'm going to be standing right over here by the tree. And if you would like me to pray with you to accept Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior, I, there's nothing that I covet more in this world than, than, than to do something like that with you. Now, you may be having other things going on in your life. Maybe you are afraid. Maybe you're angry or you're bitter and you just need to let it go and you need someone to pray with you, to stand with you, to agree with you. Whatever it is, if you need someone to pray with you, I'm going to be standing right over there. And I'll take as much time as is necessary for people that want to pray. You don't need to pray with me, of course. You've got a direct line to Jesus. But I would count it a privilege if, uh, if that's what you need from me. So... As the band starts playing, um, I invite you to worship the King. And if you need a prayer, I'll be right over there. Would you please stand and join us? Christ is our living hope. He's the only way to salvation, the way, the truth, and the life. How great the chasm. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night 
Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, hallelujah. The end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine this mercy? Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to bear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own.
Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, you are the living hope. We know that you're alive. We know that the Holy Spirit is here with us in this place right now, empowering us, moving us past our hurts and our hang-ups and our trials and into your presence, Lord Jesus. We pray that we would take your presence this week and that we would bring it into the rest of the world so that they can see the light of hope that we have inside of us right now. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great week.